Welcome to the Berkeley Journal of International Law's podcast, Travaux. I'm your host, Julia Wang, and this is The Current State. Welcome back to Travaux. I'm Julia Wang, and today I'll be talking with Alex McLennan about the future of the monarchy in the Commonwealth nations. Hi, Julia. Happy to be here. Thank you for joining us. So what are the current conversations surrounding the relationship between the British monarchy and the Commonwealth? While it was rare that Elizabeth II would ever actually exercise power to interfere with governance of the Commonwealth realms, her death has renewed the conversation regarding the continued place of the monarch as the head of state. And with this conversation comes considerations of the desirability, feasibility, and likelihood of several countries that are once British colonies changing their governance structure and severing one more link with their past. So can you give us a brief history of the Commonwealth of Nations? Definitely. Much of the 19th century, the United Kingdom was the world's dominant economic power. But pressures for autonomy and independence in the lands it colonized continued to grow, driven by such factors as a lack of political rights, growing national sentiment, and the exploitation of native peoples. Indeed, one common rejoinder was that it was no wonder the sun that never set on the British Empire, because even God couldn't trust the English in the dark. The modern Commonwealth of Nations came in a clear vision in the 20th century. Some countries left the Commonwealth, some remained but removed the monarch as head of state, and some kept the monarch as head of state to the present day. While Elizabeth II was generally popular, Charles III is not nearly so popular, which raises questions about the continued role of the monarch as head of state. And what are recent developments in some of these countries regarding their relationship with the British monarchy? Well, for example, in 2021, Barbados implemented a historic change in its constitution as it removed the monarch as head of state and replaced the position with an elected president that's officially becoming a republic. Of course, Elizabeth was still queen at the time, so it's not the identity of the monarch that catalyzed the change, but it was the combination of growing republican sentiment and part of a longer process. And do you think Elizabeth's passing will give a renewed boost to similar republican efforts? Possibly. During her reign, the Prime Minister of Antigua and Barbuda, Gaston Brown, expressed support for removing the monarch as head of state, but noted that such a move was not on the cards at the time. However, shortly after signing a document confirming Charles' status as king, Brown announced he'd push for a referendum within three years on whether to become a republic. As part of the effort, Brown noted that this is not an act of hostility or any difference between Antigua and Barbuda and the monarchy, but is the final step to complete that circle of independence to ensure we are truly a sovereign nation. Furthermore, as the case with Barbados, Brown noted that even a republican Antigua and Barbuda would remain part of the Commonwealth. In addition to Antigua and Barbuda, at least five other Caribbean countries, Belize, the Bahamas, Jamaica, Grenada, St. Kitts, and Nevis, expressed a desire to remove the monarch as head of state prior to Elizabeth's death. Jamaica had already announced plans to hold a referendum on the issue in 2025, and Belize has a constitutional reform commission poised to study the issue. And what about in countries that have historically had friendlier ties with the British monarchy? To start in Canada, like in other Commonwealth realms, the monarch is represented by a governor general who has immense power on paper but rarely uses that power. Regarding bills, no Canadian governor general has withheld assent or reserved a bill since 1878. Additionally, the exercise of other significant powers in opposition to the prime minister, such as in the notorious 1926 King Bing affair, would likely create a constitutional crisis. Practically, the area where the governor general is most likely to make headlines, aside from scandals, 
So when the governor general exercises powers in accordance with the prime minister's wishes, but in a way that angers opposition parties. Modern examples of this include the 2008 prorogation dispute and the 2021 early election call. So how does the Canadian public feel about the current changes in the monarchy? Perhaps the lack of a practical role for the monarch or governor general in determining Canadian governance has influenced the lack of impact felt by the Canadian public regarding Elizabeth's death and the accession of Charles. A September 2022 poll found that 75 percent of Canadians felt little or no impact from the Queen's death, and 61 percent were indifferent to the accession of Charles. Some polling indicates that while 82 percent of Canadians felt that Elizabeth did a good job, only 56 percent are confident that Charles will do the same. Another polling prior to Elizabeth's death also indicates that support for the monarchy is a minority position. However, the same polls also found large numbers of undecided respondents and a lack of consensus on a preferred alternative, results that one analyst likened to a collective shrug. Another factor to note is that unlike other countries may be able to easily act after a referendum against the monarchy, Canada's constitution makes ending ties with the monarchy highly difficult. Canadian constitutional law experts note that such an amendment would require both the consent of Parliament and the unanimous consent of all ten provinces. Given differences in provincial politics and the track record of previous referenda, experts doubt that such an amendment would be possible without broad popular support and a will to push for the change. Neither of these exist in Canada right now, according to opinion polls, so the monarch will likely remain Canada's head of state for some time yet. Whether he gets his face in the currency is another matter, though. And would that be the same in, say, Australia and New Zealand? It's somewhat complicated. Australia is certainly no stranger to Republican politics, having held 1999 referendum on replacing the monarchy with a no vote prevail of 54.9 to 45.1 percent. The 2022 election of a Labour government under Prime Minister Anthony Albanese has given some renewed hope to Australian Republicans but they may have to wait for the desired change. Albanese does have a referendum on the agenda, but it's about recognizing Australia's indigenous people in the Constitution, an election promised to be done within his first three years. Thus, even if Albanese wanted to accelerate a Republican referendum, the Indigenous Representation Referendum looks likely to require his current political capital and push the Republican referendum several years in the future. In New Zealand, recent polling indicates support for the monarchy, even after Elizabeth's death. Perhaps reading public sentiment, Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern has not pushed for a referendum on the issue, instead only saying the country would likely become a republic within her lifetime. Of course, Sarin is also known for being one of the youngest prime ministers in New Zealand's history, so her statement leaves room for New Zealand to keep the monarchy for decades to come. Thank you so much for this overview. Any last takeaways you'd like to share with our audience? Ultimately, the death of Elizabeth II has brought the nature of the Commonwealth and its realms into question. For some that retain a geographically distant monarch as their official head of state, the process of ending this arrangement began before Elizabeth's death, but the past in the Crown has already led to new discussions of accelerated timelines and brought the issue to the forefront. Still, one should not underestimate the popularity of the monarchy and difficulty of change in some realms. While expressing openness to republicanization, politicians also recognize that popular support, constitutional amendment realities, and more pressing issues stand in the way of swift action to reform. But there's little indication that removing the monarch as head of state threatens the continued existence of the Commonwealth. Most member states do not have the monarch as head of state, even those considering becoming republics have not indicated a desire to leave the organization. More likely, these recent developments signal the next steps in the organization's evolution. The Commonwealth has evolved in the face of political reality before, and it looks poised to do so again. Thank you for being with us today, Alex. Thank you for having me. 
Thank you for listening. Travaux is brought to you by Hiep Wen, Kyle Tang, Julia Wang, and the rest of the online team at the Berkeley Journal of International Law. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, please write to us at berkeley.travaux at gmail.com. While we're committed to bringing you international and comparative law news and insight, our podcast is intended for academic and entertainment purposes only. The information presented is not legal advice and may not be current. Please check out the Berkeley Journal of International Law's blog, Travaux. See you next week. Au revoir.